Welcome to Impact with Dr. David Island. Each week as we delve into topical events that affect us locally and globally, you'll have the opportunity to hear practical, relevant and empowering information from Dr. Island, a renowned pastor, author and coach who will give you the tools to confront these issues in your own personal context. Today's topic is what really matters. Now here's your host, Dr. Island. I want to talk with you about a topic I title, What Really Matters. 2 Samuel chapter 9 is where I'd like for you to join me in your Bibles. And today marks the first of a three-part teaching series on that very topic, What Really Matters. Life is complicated and uncertain. And we find ourselves at different junctures asking tough questions. Why am I here? Why do I exist? And if you're asking these kinds of questions, you're not weird. You're human. These reflective questions are all there to help us establish a more meaningful life. Bible characters even ask themselves that question and those questions may be phrased differently, but it's still the same question. I want to take you now to a story where something happened in the life of David. He is now at this juncture in his life, the king of Israel, the second king. He emerged from the lowly role of being a shepherd, climbed the ladder, and now he's sitting on the throne of the most powerful nation in the world at that time, Israel. And it meant something to him because for 10 years, the prior king, Saul, the first king of that nation, was so envious of David, he tried many, many times to kill David, unsuccessful. Then when David became king, the nation was divided. David spent seven years uniting the nation. And so now I've taken you through 17 years. And then something happened as David is there in the palace. I begin reading at verse 1. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, there's still a son of Jonathan. He's lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he's at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you'll always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. 
Stop there. I want you to come with me to the palace of King David. Like most palaces, beautiful architecture, wonderful tapestry, great artifacts to show his military successes adorn the palace. But something was troubling David. And he, put, he couldn't put his finger squarely on it. But this question arose, and verse 3 tells us, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? I mean, he's asking that of his, his court officials. And what was going on is that David realized that there's more to life than success. And I don't know if you've ever recognized that or realized that. But I must admit, aiming for success is quite normal. That's where most people set their sights. Success is in their sight line. And success means the attainment of wealth, position, honor, the like. And aiming for success is quite normal. Most people on the planet, that's their supreme goal. I just want to be successful. In fact, there are a number of studies that have been done by psychologists and sociologists trying to understand why are reality programs so, they're so captivating to people. And some of these reality stars, they make a million dollars an episode. Like Housewives of L.A., some of the premier stars, a million bucks each time. And the psychologist was able to find out that one of the reasons is that most people tune in is because they want to know how they can act when they become successful. Weird response, but that's the response. Now, I must admit, there's nothing wrong with success. The problem is, it's unfulfilling. Success is largely an external indicator of one's significant accomplishments. Success is like a bottomless pit. The more you get, the more you realize you're still unfulfilled and still empty. King David was a man who at that point in history was extremely successful. Chapter 8 lays out for us his resume in regards to his military prowess. Scripture says David defeated the Philistines, one of the most powerful nations in the world at that time. He defeated them. David defeated the Moabites, powerful group. David defeated the king of Zobah, capturing a thousand chariots. That was a mighty accomplishment. David defeated the Arameans and then placed garrisons, outposts where soldiers camp out throughout the entire nation where the Arameans lived. David defeated the Edomites, placing garrisons in their country as well. And then verse 13 of 2 Samuel 8 says, David became famous. I mean, this guy had everything. Fame, military successes. Who could he... Who was his competitor? He had beat all the mighty nations, Philistines, Arameans, 
Who's going to stand up against him? He had wealth. All the spoils of war. He had prestige. He was handsome, Scripture tells us. Good form. Brother had everything. And yet he found himself empty. In chapter 9, verse 3, sums it all up. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There's still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. David was longing for something that success couldn't deliver or produce. Money couldn't buy it. Fame couldn't gain it. Military strength couldn't win it. And so when this question, this probative, investigative question begins to percolate in our hearts and the recess of our souls, we have a choice. One option, keep gathering more and more stuff in the hopes that the next stuff, the next accomplishment, the next degree, the next million bucks, the next 10,000, the next this, the next that will satisfy this gaping hole in your heart. That's one of the choices you have. The second choice is to practice the golden rule as Jesus presented it. Matthew 7, verse 12, Jesus says, In everything you do, be careful to treat others in the same way you'd want them to treat you. For that is the essence of all the teachings of the law and the prophets. As David's walking around his palace, what, what do I need? I have everything. He realized that he is so unfulfilled, he's so empty. And, and I don't know how he came to this question, but it's a similar question to what I'm posing, is, is what really matters? And he framed it differently. He says, is there anyone left of the household of Saul? That's the king that tried for some 10 years to kill David. That was his nemesis. David says, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba, this guy used to work for Saul, he says, yeah, yeah, there's, there's, there's Mephibosheth. He's the son of Jonathan. But he's, he's impaired in both feet. And when you know the history of Mephibosheth, the grandson of King Saul, the son of Prince Jonathan, when Saul and Jonathan killed at the same day at war, when news of that came back to the palace, Mephibosheth was only five years old. The nurse grabbed him up and running to hide him because the threat is if the king and the prince are dead, that means the next heir to the throne is male, male figures in the lineage. And so let's hide Mephibosheth. As she picks him up, swoops him up in her arms, and she's running to, on, to find some cover, she accidentally drops him, and he gets injured in both feet. And there he is, crippled in both feet, and he grows up that way. Fast forward years later, David's asking this question. I, 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 I'm not satisfied with, with success. I, I just, it, it's not 
meaningful to me. I, I, I just, I feel empty. It, it's, it's, it's a pipe dream. It, it, it vanishes when you accomplish something. Is there anyone left of Saul's household that I can show God's kindness to? Yeah, 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 Mephibosheth. He's here. He's living with Makir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Lodabar is a remote village in Israel. In fact, the very name in the Hebrew means a place of naught, N-A-U-G-H-T, a place of nothing. So here's this guy who's a prince. When you look at the royal line, grandson of Saul, he's living in someone's house that's not even a relative there. They, they, they feel compassion for him or pity, and so they've taken him in, and he can't work because of his physical challenges and limitations, and he's there in an out-of-the-place way known as nothing, and he's lame in both feet, and David says, go get him, and they go and bring him in, and, and he, he bows. I don't know how much it may have hurt or pained him to do so because of his legs, and he bows to show honor to David. David said, Mephibosheth? And he responds, yes, Lord. I want to restore to you all of the property that your grandfather Saul had. Before David even made that statement, he can see that Mephibosheth is frightened out of his mind because he knows the protocol. When a king comes into throne, into the throne or into his royal position, he kills all the previous predecessors, the lineage of the previous king. And so Mephibosheth is thinking that I'm brought in here, the palace, and I'm going to get killed. And so David says, don't be afraid. And Mephibosheth he hears David says, I want to restore all the land that your grandfather had. And I want you to eat my table. And Mephibosheth, I, I, I don't know, the, the message version says, he, he stammered. King, I'm, I'm no threat to you. I'm a, I'm a dead dog. In other words, I'm no threat. I, I don't make noise. I don't bark. I don't whimper. I, I'm dead. And I'm not just dead. I'm a dead dog. I'm worthless. You can see the shame that is so clothed this man. How he spoke of himself in such shame-filled words that as I'm reading the text, it's almost as if you want to just walk up to Mephibosheth and just hug him and hold him. Because this feeling of shame had so filled his heart and his mind that he describes himself in such self-deprecating ways. Not even a dog. I'm a dead dog. But it was as if David needed to help Mephibosheth. Not just for Mephibosheth's sake, but for his own sake. See, David realized that this, this success stuff, I, I, I have no sense of 
meaningfulness and personal satisfaction and fulfillment in just attaining success. I, I, I need something more. Mephibosheth, I want to restore all the property that your grandfather had. I want you to see how much property David must have had to say, I'll give you everything your grandfather had. And it still wasn't even a dent in the bucket. You know, it, wasn't even a, uh, it wasn't even something significant to what David had. It's like, let me give you this. And uh, it, it, I'm not even thinking about what I gave you because I have so much stuff, but I need to give to you. Because when I give to you, I feel something inside that success can't produce. Bob Buford, an American businessman and author, said, whatever success you're having will never completely fulfill you. A life of significance, of really mattering, is yours for the taking. This year, as... You look ahead. Don't let it be another year where you just simply go down your checklist. You have your business goals and your financial goals and your academic goals and your social goals and your family goals. And I'm not against goals. And the Bible is very goal-centric. It calls us to establish goals. But don't get fooled into thinking that these natural accomplishments that define success will fill up the emptiness in your soul. There's more to life than success. And David realized he needed, not only for Mephibosheth's sake, but for his own sake, to show Someone who could not repay him. Someone who could not reciprocate in kind of his bigness of heart. He needed to show God's kindness. And that put him into a whole other category of achieving significance. Significance is greater than success. David discovered that few people, what, that few people never Realize, un, realize this. They never realize the value of significance. Not every successful person has significance. But every person who has significance is successful. I'm not trying to mess with your mind, but let me say it again. Not every successful person has significance. But every person who has significance is successful. See, significance, it conveys meaningfulness think about all the successful people that you know and many of them no one admires no one wants to emulate them the person because they don't have significance significance and success are different from one another and I want to show you the contrast of success versus significance so you can see what that big difference is. First, we see success puts focus on self. 
You're consumed with the idea of your goals, your dreams, your accomplishments to make you feel successful. Significance puts focus on others. David became focused on showing God's kindness to Mephibosheth and it earned him another rung on the ladder. He went beyond success to significance. Success hoards. You're driven by the desire for more and more stuff. Outward signs of success. Significance shares. David didn't see wealth as something merely to be accumulated. He practiced generosity, a sign of significance. Success is about wealth. You're motivated to accum accumulate more and more money to create a personal sense of achievement. Nothing wrong with money. But if that's your aim, you'll miss out because significance aims for, it's about satisfaction. David felt dissatisfied with success, and so he aimed for satisfaction. Success feels empty. It leaves you wanting more and more, though you're not sure what you're aiming for, but just know what you have is not, it's not satisfying. Significance feels fulfilling. David felt fulfilled because his life now had a deeper sense of meaning. That's what significance does. It brings meaning. Success is temporal. It's fleeting. It's short-lived. You're left craving something else, something more, something different. And success ends the day you die. You can't take all that stuff with you to your grave. Someone else gets your stuff. See, success, it's temporal. You die, it's over. Significance is eternal. David felt attached to God when he said, is there anyone left of Saul's household I can show God's kindness to? Because he realized my showing God's kindness is going to outlive me. Great place to stop and take a picture as you see the contrast. Because if you're a parent and you want to teach your children, don't let them fall into the trap of just chasing after success. Let them pursue significance because it has a whole other dimension to it. I love what Oprah Winfrey said. The key to realizing a dream is to focus not on success, but significance. And then even the small steps and little victories along your path will take on greater meaning. Oprah, extremely successful. And she's saying, it's empty. It's unfulfilling. It leaves you craving. Leaves you wanting more. I don't pursue that anymore. I pursue significance. David discovered the value of significance. It's found in his ability to improve the quality of someone else's life. And David's kindness, it broke the feelings of worthlessness and humiliation and shame and the lack of value that Mephibosheth felt. When David said to him, he could have said, look, I, I want to restore all the property of your grandfather Saul. He could have left it at that. Mephibosheth, he, he, he probably would be beyond words. David didn't stop there. He said, Mephibosheth, I want you to eat your meals at my table. Move from Lodabar, come live here in Jerusalem, and every mealtime, join me at my table. Man, I would have loved to see Mephibosheth that first day when he hobbled into the dining room in the palace. 
And here he is, sitting at the table, smiling from ear to ear, wondering how he got here. No more feelings of shame. No more feelings of worthlessness. Maybe his legs dangled under the table. He's sitting next to the other princes. And Solomon's over there. Hey, Mephibosheth, pass me a roll. I mean, I, 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 can, I can imagine something happened in Mephibosheth's life and, 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 and it broke the sense of shame. But you know, I, I would love to have sat there or been a fly on the wall and not just stare at Mephibosheth. I want to stare at David. Because something broke in David's life also. That sense of emptiness the clamoring for success and the feelings of being unfulfilled, the striving for the sense of meaningfulness in life that he couldn't get in all the military battles, all the wealth, all of the money, all the fame. He found it in significance. And it was his ability to do something to help someone else who couldn't repay him. I wonder what would happen this year if you put on the top of your list for goals, not a promotion, not another degree, or first degree, or a new house, or a new car, or redoing your kitchen, but you put on top of your list, I want to pursue significance. I want to have meaningfulness in my life more than stuff. See, what really matters is that there's more to life than success. And significance is greater than success. And David realized significance really matters. David discovered that something, he discovered something that few people on the planet, in the world, from when time began to when we know the world will end, he discovered that significance really matters. See, success is public. Significance is personal. People can project success, but no one can project significance. I mean, you, you've heard the phrase, and, and many times we practice it, dressed for success. I don't know anybody who can dress for significance because you can't don nice clothing to reflect significance because it's not about outward appearance. It's about an inward disposition, an inward place where your soul feels so satisfied, not in your accolades and the things that most people pride as accomplishments. No, 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 no. That's not what matters. What matters is that you feel good about you because you've helped someone else feel good about themselves. And there's a satisfaction you gain. I was told this before I earned my PhD. They said, when you earn your PhD, right afterwards, most people sink into deep depression because they realize 
it was unfulfilling. And so they say, what you got to do is the moment you earn it, shoot for another goal. So you don't have time to succumb to this emotional emptiness, this darkness of soul. But you know something? It's their, their prescription doesn't satisfy because the moment you earn that second goal, then you better get another goal because you got to get another goal and you better get a follow-up goal because each goal attainment just and each success, each rung on the ladder, each goal star will still be unfulfilling. And so I'm saying don't just put another goal. Shoot for significance in what you do. And when you shoot for significance, you'll find that significance, it really matters. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 25 and verse 35. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison. And you came to visit me. Now Jesus is he's, he's running down the resume of the things that caught his attention. Because when you read the preceding verses, he's talking about who makes it into the kingdom of God and who doesn't. He's talking about how, you know, you separate the sheep from the goat. The sheep are the good animals. The goat are the you know, not so good animals in Bible metaphor. And so Jesus is saying, look, there are two kinds of people. They're the kinds that, he says, when I was hungry, you gave me food. And then when you read verse 37, 38, the individuals who were deemed righteous, the sheep, the good kind of people, they said to Jesus, when, when were you hungry and when did, when did we give you something to eat? Jesus said, no, you didn't give me directly, but you gave to the least of those. Jesus saying, look, you know what really captures my eye? You know what gets me to look up? You know what gets me to, to, to take notice on you? It's not your degree. It's not your job title. It's not your nice house. It's not your battle scars of victories that you've won. Those things are nice, but that doesn't get my, my attention. That doesn't capture my, my eye. What I find myself admiring, Jesus says, is when someone was hungry, you gave them food. When someone was thirsty, you gave them a drink. When someone was naked and without clothing, you gave them clothes. When someone was sick, you took time to care for them. When someone was in prison, you took of your valuable time to communicate with them, to let them know that even behind bars, you still matter. Jesus says, that to me is significance. That to me 
is praiseworthy. That, to me, grabs my attention. So if Jesus is telling us what he aims for and what he looks at and what he admires and what he celebrates, let's not waste valuable time and energy. Not any longer. You're, you're, not, you're not a child. Paul says, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. I reasoned as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You are an adult. And as an adult, don't pursue the emptiness of success. Not anymore. Pursue significance. Why? Significance matters. John Maxwell discovered significance and selfishness are two incompatible words. You never see anybody who lives for themselves that ever really becomes significant with other people. How true. So David's road to significance, it began with genuine sincerity. He had an earnest and genuine desire to help Mephibosheth. It was sincere. It was authentic. It was real. There, there was no pretense. He wasn't doing it to get the, the Jerusalem press to write an article about what he did. Sincerity comes from the heart, the home of compassion and empathy. In other words, anybody can be, in, anybody can be significant. Anybody, anywhere. Because significance, it's not about money. It's about this display of unselfishness. See, David had the means to positively impact Mephibosheth's quality of life, and he unselfishly acted on it. But it's not about money, though, because it didn't start there. It started with feelings. Is there anybody here of the household of Saul? I know Saul's household. They're afraid. They, they, they've, they've gotten so reoriented because their kingdom is gone. Is there anybody here of Saul's household that I can show God's kindness? See, it's not about money. And don't fall into the trap where so many fall into. When I make it rich, then I'll help others. Trap, trap, trap. Don't fall into that. See, significance is not about money or even doing things that are expensive. Significance, Jesus described it. He says, it's, it's small stuff. It's showing care. It starts in the seat of compassion. It's a smile. It's spending time with someone. It's writing letters. I went to Thailand and Myanmar formerly Burma, with Compassion International a couple of years ago. And Compassion International is this children's advocate ministry that serves children in, in developing countries you know, in terms of meeting their needs on four levels, one of which is education, second is in terms of health, third in terms of, in terms of training them in a trade, and fourth is spiritually. Help them to come to Jesus. And I remember going in Thailand. And they took us to this remote village where a 17-year-old was head of the household because mom and dad had passed away. And he had three little sisters. The youngest was about two or three years of age. And he's head of the household. 
And when they rescue these kids from abject poverty and bring them into the program, Compassion International says, for I think the price is about $30 a month you pay, and that takes care of the four needs of a child that you sponsor. But you write a letter also to the child, and the child reads that letter. They said one of the most painful moments for a child is when they never get a letter from their sponsor. They have the resources, they're in the program, but they don't feel the love and the care and the value of you taking time to write me a letter. See, significance, it's not about money. It's, it's about this care that exudes from who you are to someone who can't repay you. They don't have the means. They can't reciprocate in kind. They, they, they don't have, they're not in that place. What would happen if you put into your sight line for this next month one person that you intentionally decide to show them God's kindness. And this person's outside of your immediate family. And this person can't repay you. And there's nothing you want from them other than the opportunity to love on them in an authentic, godly way. What would happen to them? And equally important, what would happen to you. I believe your life will be transformed. And I believe you would find yourself moving from success to significance. And then you'll start living on the highway marked significance rather than the road marked success. You would become a totally different person. And it didn't cost you anything but shifting your focus. And I want to encourage you, put the pursuit of significance at the top of your goal list for 2020 and beyond and watch Jesus do a great work inside of you. Let's pray together. Come on, if we're going to applaud the Lord, let's really applaud the Lord. Thanks for joining us this week on Impact with Dr. David Island. Take a moment and visit davidisland.org where you can get an in-depth look at the world of Dr. Island through his messages, media interviews, information about the books he has authored, and so much more. Tune in next week for another edition of Impact with Dr. David Island. Please subscribe to this podcast and follow at Dr. David Island on social media so you'll never miss a moment. See you next time.